0: Welcome to the Wake and Take Podcast. On today's show, we break down news out of the NFL and the blockbuster trade, sending Matthew Stafford to the Rams, Jared Goff to the Lions, what it means for the league and what it means for Deshaun Watson. We talk trade rumors involving Kirk Cousins and the San Francisco 49ers. Then we talk NCAA hoops and a quick update about the Minnesota Timberwolves from BG. And we wrap the show with Josh Stevenson. He called in a couple weeks ago to give us an update or to tell us about his campaign for raising jackets and money for the homeless people in Minneapolis. He calls in tonight to give an update on what he's been up to and how his campaign is really evolving into a foundation now. All of that today on the Wake and Take Podcast.
1: There is a house
2: in New Orleans They call the rising sun And it's been
1: a ruin of many, a poor boy, and God, I know I've won.
3: And welcome to the show, big week, fellas, Super Bowl week. We'll get into uh, a lot of the Super Bowl storylines, a lot of the wagers, and all that kind of stuff on Friday morning show. But fellas, just working around the NFL right now, uh, big news this week, kind of an NBA-style like blockbuster trade. You don't really see these in the NFL very often, but Jared Goff, two first-rounders and a third-rounder head to the D- Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford is heading to the LA Rams, and Sean McVay has once again found a way to trade away his first-round pick. I think it's like seven years. I heard it at least today. It was like seven years. Uh, Maybe it was seven years until they're going to get a first-round pick. That is the L.A. Rams. They've traded away that many. But uh, they have a new quarterback, and his name is Matthew Stafford, fellas.
4: Yeah, they haven't had a first-round pick since 2016, and they don't have their next one until past 2023 um, because this next year's draft. They don't have it due to the Jalen Ramsey trade. And then obviously with Matthew Stafford uh, coming into town, they're not going to get their first first-round pick um, until 2024, which, I mean, is interesting, but you got to do what you got to do, I guess, and we'll see how it works. But just from looking at both sides initially, like obviously we don't know who wins this trade because zero games have been played. But just looking at both sides, it seems like the Lions certainly did very well in this trade, getting Goff and first-rounders as well as other picks. For an old Matthew Stafford, a good Matthew Stafford, but. Uh, a a very young jared goff compared to the the quarterback the ex-quarterback for the Lions. but i mean it's exciting to see like you said beale we don't really see quarterback for quarterback trades in the nfl like we see blockbuster superstar trades in the nba pretty much every other day in the free agency season so i'm hoping that we'll see more of this stuff Uh, maybe we'll see some stuff with the vikings we can talk about that next but yeah, I hope Jared Goff doesn't do well, obviously, because he's in the <laughs> NFC North now, and that we put some hurting on him, like we did Matthew Stafford every game. And I don't think Jared Goff uh, can survive the hits that Stafford took in his career.
5: Well, BG, it's interesting you bring up the NBA because to me this felt like an NBA trade where, like, you're trading a bunch of um, like a bunch of pieces to get money off your payroll um and not just to get money off the payroll but just be more flexible with uh you know what you can do especially in in a sport with a hard cap um but no I agree it's going to be I'm definitely a big fan of um big fan of Jared Goff staying in the uh staying in the NFC North as opposed to Matthew Matthew Stafford because like Stafford's always good uh like with the Lions to give you like a Uh, a week 15, 16, or 17 scare or a loss when the Lions are completely out of the playoff picture and you're, like, trying to get a bye or trying to, you know, make the wild card. Like, that's what Matthew Stafford has been, it seems like, for the past however many years he's been in the NFC North, and Jared Goff is just not going to be that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think Stafford is a a really good quarterback, and I think he's been it all throughout his NFL career. It just sucks having a Lions team around him every single year, um, whether he had one really good player like Kelvin Johnson or two on the team. But other than that, it was just total scrubs, which is unfortunate for him. And with that offensive line he has, it's, it's a miracle that he's still playing in the NFL the amount of times he's just been absolutely schmacked, and he's still playing well. So um, I, personally, I'm just, I'm just happy for Stafford that he got out because we saw Barry Sanders and Kelvin Johnson – Uh, never get fortunate enough to leave Detroit and hopefully go to a better team with the Rams with that defense they have. So um, I'm all for Stafford doing well, and I hope he has a better career than he did in Detroit.
3: Yeah, it'll certainly be an interesting kind of test case almost.
4: What will Matt
3: Stafford do with Sean McVay in L.A. in a completely different system, in a different culture, not not in the Detroit Lions culture, which is predominantly – a a negative losing culture where where they have fans putting bags on their heads in the stadium and the 0-16 season uh, almost five years ago now. Maybe it was even more like six or seven. But still, I mean, it's a losing culture in Detroit, and it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, in L.A. Not like they're a dominant culture, but they went to the Super Bowl three years ago, and they've made the playoffs two of the last three years. And this is a team that with Matt Stafford can – is almost and they might even be the odds on favorite next year out of the NFC to win the Super Bowl right now I, I don't know what the Vegas money lines are for for 2022 Super Bowl but this Matt Stafford team now in, in Los Angeles is, is really good I mean they are a quarterback away and Jared Goff was pretty good two seasons ago but the, the last two years kind of fell off huge contract for him that he signed after his sophomore season in the NFL I think there's the Lions will take on four years and $106 million worth of that contract. The one big note of that contract is there's no guaranteed money. So if the Lions don't like him after this season, they can cut him and they have no guaranteed money to Jared Goff or trade him or whatever, but no guaranteed money on the 106 remaining on Goff's deal after this next season, which is a big factor for Detroit. When you think about them taking on that massive, massive contract, at least there's no guaranteed money, but it will be very interesting to see what Matthew Stafford does uh, in L.A. with all those weapons around him, uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, to name a few. But uh, I, I think it'll be a great test for Matthew Stafford. I mean, we've known him to be a very tough quarterback out of the NFC North in a losing franchise, but he'd play almost every week you know, broken ribs, broken ankle, whatever he had, he, he was going like he, he was playing in those games. And a lot of them for Detroit were meaningless football games, and he was still grinding it out. And I think that says a lot about who he is as a person, uh, his character, and we'll see how he transforms as a quarterback in that Sean McVay offense. Uh, fellas, I think this phrase is a big question for Deshaun Watson, for, for Houston, what do they do with him now? What is the price tag on him? We've seen it's two first rounders and a third rounder for Matthew Stafford. What is the price tag now for Deshaun Watson?
4: Yeah, well, I, I think they came out and said what they wanted. I think they wanted two first rounders, maybe two second rounders, and I don't know if there's any other draft picks in that, as well as two defensive starters uh, to trade. So they're certainly asking for a lot, and I mean that I, I think that's somewhat valid having one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and being the quarterback or uh yeah quarterback dominant league um, in the NFL but I know as, as soon as I saw the news whatever a month ago a couple of weeks back whatever it was that Deshaun Watson initially wanted out I quickly thought okay let's get into the Vikings and after a little bit of thought there I don't think it really makes sense for us but whoever gets them I think is going to be given a lot and we'll see who gets him it'd be interesting if he goes to the patriots um because i think it could work there but we'll have to wait and see oh and i was going to comment on your uh rams remarks quickly they are the third favorites to win the super bowl in 2022 i thought which seems a little high to me but who knows with stafford and that defense it's a combo we obviously haven't seen yeah,
3: i mean
5: yeah and, and bg staying on the rams uh, uh just for one more point um one thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is what this means for Sean McVay. Um, I mean, his long-term future or his, you know, the, the long-term future of the Rams has been handicapped with no first round picks over the next couple of years. Um, but you know, Sean McVay being what is he even 40 years old yet. Like for him, I mean, he's, he can probably go out and get a head coaching job anywhere he wants in the NFL. Um, and, you know, he can try this team out for, for two years with Matthew, Matthew Stafford, and um, if it doesn't work, I mean, he's still a young guy. He doesn't have to worry about the Rams having, you know, he's definitely not a guy who's going to go through a rebuild. Um, so I think this trade made perfect sense for Sean McVay, and, you know, it's kind of it's kind of it, I think, for him. You know, he's going to try and win, win us what he can uh, these next two years. Maybe if it works to extend Stafford and, and figure something else out. But, um, I mean, I don't know any NFL team that w- if they had a head, co- head coaching job open uh, wouldn't have Sean McVay at the top of their list higher.
3: Yeah, I think you make a good point, Andy. And I, I think this really puts um, the GM of the L.A. Rams, I think it's Sneed. Is it Les Sneed? Let me just look that up. But I, uh, I, Definitely a Sneed, yeah. I think it's Les Sneed who's the GM of the Rams. And Terrible yeah. name. Yeah, I can confirm it is Leslie, but I think it puts him on the hot seat, really. I mean, he's the one, at the end of the day, finalizing all these deals and making these trades, and if it doesn't work out with Matthew Stafford and this team, I mean, you would think he'd be the first one gone, and maybe Sean McVay after him, if they have another failed season this year, I mean, that's two out of four that they're, yeah, they made the playoffs two out of the last four years, assuming they don't make it next year, or if they don't make it next year, but but that's still pretty... I mean, two uh, failed teams with with pretty good talent on the roster. So you would definitely think that Les Snead is on the hot seat. And maybe after one more bad year, Sean McVay is too.
6: Yeah,
5: and I think, um, I at least my my prediction, this is super long-term. But I don't see Sean McVay getting fired. I see a uh, mutually agreeing to part ways, but um, Sean McVay... I don't know how many years are left in his contract, but just maybe not deciding to to resign if he looks at that, looks at the team, looks at what their draft future is, and just says this is not what I want to be a part of. I'm not going to resign. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go coach somewhere else.
3: Yeah, and just just looking at it now, his Sean McVay's deal is through 2023, so two more seasons uh, left on his current deal but certainly going to be an interesting year next year in Los Angeles and the following year just to see what happens there. I mean, does it work out with Matthew Stafford? If it doesn't, there's going to be some changes, and you got to imagine the head coach might not be the first year change, but if it goes two more bad years in L.A., Sean McVay, the, uh, the young gun, the Jordan Belford of the National Football League just a few years ago <laughs> could be out, could be out, honestly.
5: Yeah. Um, and 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 I, I keep saying this is the last thing I'll bring up for for this trade, but uh, my two the two things that annoy me, annoy me most in NFL broadcasts are one, uh, comparing tight ends to basketball players getting rebounds, and two, um, for no reason whatsoever, bringing up the friendship. Uh, between Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford, and how they played literally together, and went to the same high school, like that has brought up way too much in NFL broadcasts, and it's only going to be brought up more now. And I'm just absolutely tired of it.
3: Yeah, the two of them, both in LA, best friends. Uh, if you go by the media standards or whatever, but yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's makes gonna... it sound like they're going to
5: get like a place together. They're going to be roommates. Yeah.
3: yeah, they're rooming together, roomies. Uh, in in L.A., those two guys making a couple million dollars a year, each of them, more than a couple. But, yeah, you're right, Andy. It's a hammered storyline, and and it'll certainly be hammered a lot more this season. Um, BG, I know you had some trade rumors for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Hit us with those.
4: Well, I just know the past day or two on the old Twitter machine, um, seeing that the 49ers are pursuing Kirk Cousins or at least interested in pursuing Kirk Cousins um, for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know if it would be other players or other draft pick or assets, whatever. Um, But obviously Shanahan is in 49ers and Shanahan had Cousins under his system in Washington when they were the R words. Um, And he he has thought very highly of Kirk, which has hurt him in the past, but he still thinks highly of him. And, it's, it's kind of surprising to me that they're pursuing him. Um, and it sounds like the the Vikings would be the team that would get more um, than just the quarterback coming over from the Niners as well as other players or draft picks, which I think makes sense because I, I do think Kirk is the better quarterback out of the two, um, even without mentioning injuries, which Garoppolo cannot stay on the field. But, um, yeah, just wanted to bring that up, that at least it's in the talks. Uh, in the 49ers organization, but I do not hope, or I do hope that the Vikings do not trade with the 49ers and get Garoppolo out of that because that's just a bad trade for a lesser quarterback. Um, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree on that BG. And, and what I saw was a second and a fourth rumor to Minnesota, or at least was offered to Minnesota from what I saw. And the Vikings wanted at least one first round pick, um, in that trade, if they were going to trade Kirk Cousins. And I'm, I'm with you, BG. Kirk has been a far and away better quarterback the last two seasons than the media has portrayed him to be. His statistics will tell you uh, how good he is the last two seasons. And the biggest stat, I think, is that he's played every single one of those games. I mean, he, he stays on the field, which a lot of quarterbacks struggle to do. He's, he's one of... Uh, the healthiest quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of staying on the field. And that's a very underrated stat, in my opinion. I'm working on a blog post right now for our new website, wakeandtakepod.com, uh, about just that, why Kirk Cousins is underrated and why the Vikings should keep him. Uh, I mean, if you're not getting a blockbuster trade where you're either taking defensive starters, offensive line starters, then I don't know why you would trade Kirk Cousins and, and not talking about just getting the offense or defensive starters, but also getting some draft picks as well. I mean, you have to really be given a good deal and maybe not even a good deal, but a great deal to get rid of Kirk Cousins right now. Cause I think he's undervalued in the national football league. And, and maybe it's just cause we're in this Vikings atmosphere and this kind of echo chamber where we hear, Oh, Kirk Cousins is terrible. He's a high clutch quarterback all the time, almost every game, every time he makes a bad throw. Nearly we hear that. And maybe it's just that, that we that I'm overvaluing Kirk Cousins now because everybody else is undervaluing him. But I, I do think he's better than, than what he's portrayed as in the NFL. And I wouldn't like to see the Vikings keep him as their quarterback going into next season, especially if they hire Clint Kubiak as their offensive coordinator. And BG, I know there's some rumors this week as well on Twitter that uh, I think it was Giants wide receiver coach. It was like tight. It was like Tyler or something, or I can't remember the name, but... um,
4: Yeah, I don't remember his name, but the Vikings interviewed or are going to interview the Giants wide receiver coach uh, for the Vikings offensive coordinator position. First time I've heard of the guy, as I'm sure most people don't know other teams wide receiver coaches, but um, like like we said before, I hope it stays within the organization, uh, stays within the family, the Kubiak family, especially with how much organizational changes have undergone in the past six seasons I think we've had six new offensive coordinators in the past six seasons or something like that Um, so we we have a good team when we are healthy um, and it's just staying together as players as coaches as front office where we can see our full potential and going back to Kirk Cousins I think he he is a really good quarterback um, definitely in the top or in the top half of the league um, when he's healthy and when we have a healthier line and we found out this past season that Kirk Cousins is not the Minnesota Vikings problem. When we put up 30 points per game per season, it's not the quarterback's fault, but it's our it's our defense's fault who leads us to a sub-500 record when we score 30 points a game. Um, and I saw this also on Twitter, comparing the stats of Matthew Stafford for his career uh, 2009 to 2020, and Kirk Cousins' stats in his career 2012 to 2020, and their stats are completely identical and I know there's differences where Kirk Cousins has probably had more players around him um, especially in the past couple of years with the Minnesota Vikings than the Lions have had on offense for sure and the Vikings have had a better defense than the Lions which helps Cousins um, have good pass protection when we're up and not in all pass situations but because of that Stafford has thrown the ball a lot more um, consistently and per game, his completions, or his attempts are a lot more than Kirk's. But back to the point, Kirk and Stafford, their stats are completely identical. And sure, stats are only part of the game and speak for themselves and not for every single part of the game. But if you if you get that much for Stafford that the Rams got for dealing him to Los Angeles, then a trade with Jimmy Garoppolo and a couple second-rounders and a fourth-rounder, whatever you said he was, whatever you said it was, I hope to God we don't do that because we're just going to keep digressing as a team where if we hold on to Kirk, who, like you said, may be undervalued, and I, I rip on Kirk Cousins my fair share. I'm admitting that, but he is a good quarterback, and we, I think we'd be foolish uh, to give him up for something the 49ers offer.
3: Yeah, it, it'll certainly be interesting. I mean, when, when you think about back to when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins originally, the other team – in that conversation was the San Francisco 49ers and they wanted him. They wanted him bad. And Kyle Shanahan wanted him to be their quarterback. He, he thinks, and I think he, he thought, and I still think he, he thinks that Kirk Cousins would be a perfect fit in his system. He'd be a perfect fit in their system. He's a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo. He stays healthy, and maybe he doesn't have all the talent that Garoppolo has, but he doesn't have the, the the floor that Garoppolo has either, where he's missing a ton of games. He's making terrible, terrible throws. Yeah, Kirk makes some bad throws and some bad decisions, but predominantly, he's a very steady quarterback. He doesn't make the, those game-changing mistakes very often. He has, certainly, and we've seen that through his Vikings career, but especially towards the end of seasons and in the second half of NFL regular seasons, Kirk gets a lot better, and we, we've we seen it the last two seasons with the Minnesota Vikings where he start, started the season kind of slow, picks it up towards the end specifically in this last season where he was playing some of his best football at the end of the year. Unfortunately, the Vikings and the rest of the team around him just wasn't there. They didn't have a defense, and the offensive line was just too much of an issue where he's not good enough to make up for that for for a lack of offensive line and a lack of protection. What Kirk Cousins needs is a good clean pocket. When he has that, he is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Downfield, uh, short passing, and really every facet and every part of the game, he's elite when he has a clean pocket. And that's easy to say. Oh, there's a lot of quarterbacks who are accurate when they have a, a clean pocket. So it, it put it puts emphasis on this Vikings team getting a good offensive line next year, whether that's through trades or through the NFL draft, Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But I would like to see the Vikings keep Kirk Cousins, and I'd like to see them build that offensive line and seeing some of these draft picks from the last couple of years take a step forward next year, like like Garrett Bradbury, who was okay in his second year, just okay, and we'd like to see a big step forward from that man in particular. Uh, Fellas, let's move on to PGA. Big controversy. We don't talk a whole lot of PGA Andy, but big controversy this week. Uh, Patrick Reed, 10th hole, Saturday, Torrey Pines uh, in San Diego. It was a little rainy the day before. Uh hits his T ball on 17 or on, on 10, excuse me. And he said, and, and the volunteer there said, and the playing partner said that once his ball hit in the rough on the left side of the of the hole that it's simply plugged into the ground, meaning that the ball embedded completely into the dirt where it's underneath the soil now and he cannot hit the ball legally. And in the rules of golf, that gives you a free drop one club length, no closer to the hole. Um, All the controversy. If you haven't heard this week is around that single shot from Patrick Reed where some people say it bounced. Some people say it didn't bounce. Uh, Patrick Reed obviously thought it didn't bounce, meaning that it plugged embedded into the dirt uh, on the 10th hole. And Randy, what did you see from that weekend? And what do you kind of make of all this controversy?
5: So I, I absolutely hate to do this. This goes against everything that I stand for, but I am going to side with Patrick Reed just a little bit because there's no fans. The marshal, the closest uh, volunteer marshal, said he didn't see it bounce. None of the other players saw it bounce. The um, the way that it was, there were kind of some hills. I don't, I don't think uh, Patrick Reed would have seen it bounce. Um, so I, considering everyone said they didn't see it bounce, um, I I'll I'll give Patrick Reed credit there. But the way that he like picked the ball up, um, like it wasn't clear from the video, but it seemed like it took him a long time to like bring the ball up. And just because it's Patrick Creed, pardon me wonders if he like pushed the ball in before picking it up just to make sure that there is that you know little imprint there from the ball and then and then he marked it. Um, and not, and then on top of that, regardless of whether he did that or not, you can't ask for a rules official and then pick your ball up before waiting, you know, while waiting for the rules official to come over. Right. Like if you're going to call the rules official, come over, don't do anything and wait for the rules official come over. Yeah. It, it happened to Rory early. Um, or I think that same day, um, on the, uh, on the 18th hole, I think, mm-hmm. um, he never called for a rules official. He conferred with his, uh, he conferred with the marshal and his, um, uh, and his playing partners. And he, you know, and he made a decision, um, and I think if Patrick Reed hadn't called the rules official over and just, um, you know, just went off what happened, but um, yeah, I, um, I like all golf fans, um, I I despise Patrick Reed uh, for two years at a time until the Ryder Cup rolls around, and then <laughs> me and every single other American. Golf fan absolutely loves Patrick Reed. Like just like Patrick Reed tattoos on our forearms. Um, but then once Ryder Cup's over, then it's back to just yeah dunking on him.
3: Yeah. And Andy, the, the thing I thought was interesting, and you mentioned it, but he calls the rules official over to get a ruling on the golf ball. He immediately then bends down and reaches his hand into the uh alleged hole that his ball created in the ground picks his ball up tosses it to the side uh just kind of get it out of the way then the rules official comes over looks at patrick reed like what are you doing why did you pick the golf ball <laughs> exactly. up patrick reed looks at him and says well how else would you be able to tell if there's oh uh, if it broke the surface or if there's a hole in the ground how what else would you be able to tell and, and then the rules official is kind of like looks at him like uh, I guess, or whatever. He didn't say that, but he just kind of looks at him like, oh, "Oh, okay, whatever. I mean, you're you're a PGA Tour pro, and I'm just here to officiate the rules, whatever. He reaches his hand in there and kind of feels around in, in the grass and says, yeah, there's a hole down there. But you mentioned it as well that it, it took a minute to get that ball out of there, and a lot of people on Twitter and golf fans are speculating that he reaches his hand his fingers down there, pressed a hole either with the golf ball or with his fingers just straight into the dirt, made that divot in the ground or that ball mark, and then pleaded his case to the rules official who came over just a few seconds later. It was a very strange rule, just kind of sequence of events. And I think if he either didn't call a rules official over and just kind of deemed himself, yeah, nobody in my, like none of my playing partners the rules the the volunteer standing right there the lady said she didn't see it bounce and i think her words are kind of key there she didn't say that she didn't that that it didn't bounce she said she didn't see it bounce which means that she probably didn't see yeah. the ball i mean i'm a caddy i'm on the golf course every every day you know almost 350 times a year and i know if i don't see a ball i i don't say i didn't see it i just say i don't see it i i didn't see it do that or i didn't see it do that that's not mm-hmm. saying that you saw it not bounce. She's just saying she didn't see yep. it bounce. Not, not even that it, it could have bounced and she just didn't see it. And so I think the the wording by her, the the volunteers that was standing right there, is, is kind of key in this situation. And, and the way that Patrick Reed uh, kind of played that out was very sketchy given his past. And, and I think that and, just caused a lot of trouble.
5: And I think at the end of the day, you know, one of the first things my dad Taught me when it came to the rules of golf, is you know, growing up, he said, you know, uh, an embedded golf ball is um, you know, uh, or whether or not a golf ball is embedded is is like porn, you know, you know, you know when you see it, you know, either it's embedded or it's not. Um, there's no examining the hole or um, how deep did it go underground. Like any golfer can clearly tell a golf ball whether it's on the green and the fairway and the rough. Um, you just stand over it and go, yep, that's, that's embedded. Um, you don't have to bring a microscope out or whatever tools Bryson DeChambeau has in his bag to examine the, uh, the ball mark. Um,
3: it's yeah, it's,
5: it's, it's Patrick, Reed. that's what it is. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. And, and the thing is he won the tournament by five shots. I mean, he, he finished 14 under and Tony Finau and a couple others were at nine under where it, If that didn't, I mean, even if he doesn't take a free drop there, he still probably wins the tournament. I mean, he still probably wins, it. he won by five shots. I don't imagine him finding a way to lose five shots on just that one hole, the 10th hole on Saturday. And it's just this whole tournament, and now kind of the, he already was surrounded by this, but even more now is just this cloud of controversy and cheating. And mm-hmm. there's been allegations in the past about Patrick Reed cheating. And it's just a bad, a bad look for him. And maybe he likes it. Maybe he likes being the villain. It's good for golf. It's good for the ratings. Uh w- When you look at what those were actually on on Sunday, after that happened, golf ratings were way up. And I, I think that kind of bodes well for the PGA tour when there's controversy, when there's guys like Patrick Reed and, and Bryson DeChambeau adding a hundred pounds and, six weeks or whatever it was. I, I think that bodes well for the PGA tour and for golf, but for Patrick Reed personally, not a great look.
5: Yep. Yep. And then his, uh, either him or his wife, uh, took to Twitter, um, mm-hmm. to, to air some concerns at uh, uh, at, at, uh, some PGA media people. And, um, and, and if you didn't see it, that the Twitter account is at use golf facts, uh, and it's been speculated that it's, it's either either uh, Patrick Reed, uh, his his wife, um, or it's just the absolute biggest Patrick Reed fan in the entire world who just has spent the last year and a half constantly defending Patrick Reed from an anonymous Twitter egg. Uh, it is I don't know, Brady. Did you have a chance to look through some some of these tweets?
3: Yeah, I looked through quite a bit of them, and they're almost all. Uh, either responding to Patrick Reed haters or just tweeting about his performance. Uh, Randy, I, I think it's it's either Justine or Patrick Reed. I, I think that's almost assured in my mind right now because, I mean, I don't know anyone, and maybe there is somebody out there, but I don't know anyone who's a Patrick Reed fan, <laughs> at, at least enough to, to to be tweeting at almost everybody who hates on Patrick Reed and, and I, I mean, this is going back like months and months and months. And maybe it was even years that this Twitter went back. I think, I think it's been
5: about a year and a half.
3: Okay. I mean, I scrolled back to all the way, uh, like this time last year when he was tweeting or, or this account was tweeting at people who were hating on Patrick Reed, like, oh, Patrick Reed has only had one rules and fraction in, in the last year. <laughs> and there's been several, several players on the, on the tour with multiple, multiple rules and fractions. Why is he labeled as a dirty player? This is so unfair, and that's not word for word, but it was basically in that tone, you know, where it's like, who would be talking uh, I, like that unless you're Patrick Reed or Justine, his wife.
5: I think it's interesting some of the people that um that he uh that he he targets, like he uh, he frequently targets Justin Thomas or she. Uh, at one point, uh, calling out the fact that uh, Justin Thomas's uh, PGA Tour 2K21 cover picture wasn't patriotic enough um i think making the assumption that patrick reed would have been more patriotic to be on the cover um, going after uh oh whenever patrick reed wasn't um in in a featured group at a big event um he has qualms with the world golf rankings he oh whenever a, whenever a course has all of its pin locations on the right side of uh of, of the green because patrick reed can't uh can't, can't hit a fade in the only week in his entire life. He learned to hit a fade. He, he won a green jacket. So, I mean, props to him for that. But, uh, you know, the guy plays a big draw, uh, unlike, uh, unlike most guys on tour who, who like that controlled fade. And um, no matter it's, if it's like a small random tournament or the PGA championship, uh, he, uh, uh, he or she is not a fan of, of, of the right pin locations.
3: <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, that, that's very hilarious that he, he, he or she, whoever's running that count just just rips on the tour or whatever event is setting the pin locations. Like, I can't believe you did this to Patrick Reed today. Like you're out to get him. No, it, it's absolutely insane. And just the final note, we didn't mention it, but, or maybe you did Randy and I didn't hear it, but that Patrick Reed tweeted the exact same thing. And I think it was meant for his burner yep. account. Um, about Rory on 18 like you mentioned uh, this last weekend in Tory Pines just dropping a ball without a rules official there and, and then the use at use golf facts tweeted the exact same thing in capital in, in all caps like Patrick Reed tweeted off his actual account and I don't know I, I don't know how you justify that or explain that if you're Patrick Reed and Maybe he just has has failed to answer any questions, or just said no comment when they ask him that. But I don't know how you answer that.
5: Yeah, I didn't see any of his post uh, post round interviews or anything. But um, I mean, he got the W, so I think that's. Uh, I mean, he's probably smoking a cigar and, um, I mean, probably creating a new burner Twitter account because uh, I, I turned tweet notifications on for that uh, that account, <laughs> nice. and it uh, hasn't been a tweet since uh, since I did that.
3: All right. Well, keep us updated on that, Randy, because at <laughs> Use Golf Facts it, it is a a very interesting Twitter, and we want to keep an eye on that for sure. Um, BG Minnesota Timberwolves, give us a a two minute update on where we stand with Minnesota Timberwolves.
4: Timberwolves are back, or not even back. Timberwolves are bad. We have always been bad. Uh, we played last night against the Cavaliers, the second meeting out of two in a row, and we lost by two points, uh, which was kind of a heartbreaker. We ended up winning the first out of two against them, which was nice to see, but hopefully we could come away with two out of two against a really bad Cavs team who was missing Andre Drummond their their second game against us. But we ultimately ended up losing by two. Still no Towns. Um, He is now traveling with the team, though, so I'm assuming he is no longer covid positive and i think that's a safe assumption but he probably has to get back into shape and conditioning after being out for so long um we're still missing a couple of other guys like culver and Hernan gomez which maybe it's not the end of the world that they're not playing right now but i mean it's it's encouraging to see even though i think we're like five and 15 just to see anthony edwards progress like he has and actually jaden mcdaniel's um Anthony Edwards has been starting the past couple of games averaging 30 minutes a game and about 19 points in his past 5 games shooting 49% from 3 and 44% from the field so he's definitely uh getting better and more comfortable out on the court um on the NBA team I think the game is slowing down for him and those shots and those nice drives and layups he had earlier in the season that didn't go in are finally going in, which is helping his game and our team as a whole. And then it's good to see Jaden McDaniels, our second pick uh, in the NBA draft, still in the first round, play meaningful minutes and make a couple threes out there last night, drive to the lane, dunk all over Jared Allen. Uh, Yes, a different Jared Allen. And play really good defense. So there's a lot of negative uh, ways to go with the Timberwolves, but I'm going to keep it positive in that our two young guys – and potentially guys of the future, especially Anthony Edwards, are looking a lot better, a lot better, and more comfortable out there. And when we have towns back, it's gonna be interesting to see how the chemistry works out. But we definitely have enough talent there to be mountains ahead um, and better that our standing dictates right now. So yeah. That's my update for the wolves, and we had a lot of ways to we had a long way to go. So.
3: Yeah, long way to go as they sit uh second worst or tied for the second worst record in all of national basketball association uh wizard just one game behind them at 4 and 12 Right, i guess one loss or one win behind them but a couple losses t wolves 5 and 15 like you mentioned uh bottom place in the west and, and bg there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of room to grow for this team and hopefully cat gets healthy and we can actually get uh, some idea of what this team is like when Cats on the floor, Delo's on the floor, because we've only seen it five times uh, since we signed Delo almost a, a year ago uh, to about the week. Next week, I think it'll be a year ago today. Uh, and we've only seen them play five times. I mean, how can you judge and how can you evaluate those two guys in this basketball team when your two stars have only played five games together in the last year? Certainly a, a long way to go for the Timberwolves and hopefully some games with those two guys together so we can at least get an idea of what kind of basketball team they are with those two guys on the floor. Um, Let's move on to NCAA hoops, Gophers, after the big win against Michigan. Rather, two games after the big win against Michigan. uh, Getting destroyed, BG. BG. To Purdue, who's now ranked 24th in the country in the new AP poll. The Gophers out of the top 25 for the first time since, uh, I think, like a month ago. Maybe just over a month ago, around Christmas time, they got ranked in that top 25. But they lost to Maryland on last Saturday and on the Saturday after that. Losing to Purdue by 19 points, 81-62. And BG, for the time being at least, the, the wheels have kind of fallen off for the Golden Gophers, and I haven't seen the last two games. I haven't even seen since uh, we, we lost to Iowa a- almost a month ago now. But but it seems like the Gophers have just kind of lost it, and I don't know what it is, but they scored 49 points against Maryland and only 62 points uh, against Purdue, and, and I don't know where all the offense has gone, but all these weapons that we had to start the season have seemed to just kind of fade away.
4: It's just disappointing to see these past two games losing to two under-8 teams at the moment um, in back-to-back games, especially, like you said, against that great win against the number four team in the country, Michigan, and their only loss of the season. To go out and lose to Maryland at home, our first home loss of the year, and then to lose to Perdon uh, this past week, it's, it's just discouraging. And I don't really know what to expect from this Gophers team because, like you said, Now we're unranked, and we're probably the best. We're probably the best unranked team ever. When you look at the teams we've beat, when we've beat Iowa, when we've beat Illinois, when we've beaten Michigan, St. Louis, Michigan State by twenty-five, Ohio State. Like the list goes on and on, and we don't deserve to be ranked, which is just crazy. But we deserve to be just on that twenty-five to thirtieth rank in the country right now, but. Like you said, the scoring, we, we do not have a consistent offense. I saw part of the Maryland game, and I saw the game against Purdue. And in that game against Purdue, Marcus Carr had zero points at half. And what was crazy is we were up by like 10 points at halftime against Purdue. And then they outscored us by like 25 points that second half. And we just literally couldn't do anything. Because it seems like our offense runs through Marcus Carr – which is fine when he's working. He is an elite scorer in college basketball, and he's a really good facilitator too. But when they put the clamps on him and target their game plan to specifically stop Marcus Carr, we have, we have no answer for them. The only guy who has stepped up to that uh, role for the team is Liam Robbins, and he has not played well these past two games. Gabe Kelscher is still on the cold streak of his life. Um, I have no idea what it is, if it's a mental thing or what, but he just cannot shoot. And he's, besides his defensive ability, he's just vulnerable out there. He's a liability on the Gophers team. And other than that, Booth Gotch has been a great, great disappointment this season. We, we just, we need our top guys to play. And Marcus Carr has not been doing that the past two games. And Liam Robbins has not either. Uh, I think Brandon Johnson has been a bright spot in the past two games, both on the offensive side and defensive side. But at at this point, it doesn't matter when you lose to Maryland and when you lose to Purdue, Um, especially, like I said before, after the really good teams we've beaten this season, we have the capability to beat these teams, to put up 90 points, to put up 80 points like we did in the beginning of the season. I don't know if teams are just keying in on our two guys, uh, stopping Carr first and then Robbins. And letting our guys play after that. But I mean, whatever it is, it's working for them and not for us. But it's it's kinda of just tough to tune in and keep watching these games because you expect a easy win um, in the Big Ten League going up against Maryland or Purdue after the gauntlet of that seven game stretch we faced earlier on in the Big Ten season and we actually fared pretty well, I think, leaving that gauntlet five hundred, maybe one game below. But now you know you don't know what to expect. When you expect a win, you get a Heartbreaking loss, and when you play a ranked team, you get a win. So, so it's it's Minnesota sports for you.
3: Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head there. And, and we talked about when the schedule got easier after that Michigan game, after we blew out one of the best teams in the country, now the number four team in the country, uh Michigan, by you know to almost twenty points. Uh, I mean, these Golden Gophers are a different breed at home and. Another bad road loss last Saturday, and the schedule remains easy. They only have two more ranked opponents, and one of them being Purdue, who just recently got ranked, and then Illinois on February 20th. But the schedule remains fairly easy, as easy as it can be in a loaded Big Ten where basically one through, I'm not going to say one through 14, but one through 12 can upset anybody. I mean, one through 12 in the Big Ten right now is... A very good basketball team and maybe not all the way down to 12 but 12 can upset anybody i mean that that there's really only a couple teams in the big 10 and rutgers in nebraska may be two of the worst the next two opponents to go for his face but there's really only a couple teams in the big 10 that are bad and almost anybody can beat anybody on any given night and when, When we're looking at a a Big Ten field that could have 10 or 11 teams in the Big Ten tournament, I haven't looked at it in the last couple weeks what Lenardi has been saying, how many have actually been projected, but I know it's been up to 11 early in the season for for Big Ten teams getting into that tournament. It's an absolutely loaded Big Ten field this year, and to be going through the weak part of your schedule and losing games to unranked teams, you just can't have that if you're Richard Pitino and you're this Gophers team, uh, when you went 500, I think it was 4-3 and three actually, through the, the hardest seven-game stretch of your schedule, you played the hardest schedule in, in Big Ten, not even in Big Ten, in college basketball since St. John's did it in 2012. I mean, there hasn't been a basketball team in college basketball that's played seven ranked opponents in a row since St. John's, and they fared pretty well. They fared really well in that stretch capping it off at the end of it by beating Michigan by double digits, nearly 20 points. It was an 18 point game. I think it was 75, 57 and this Gopher team dominated them. They ran them off the floor, a final four team in Michigan. And I firmly believe they are a final four team. The Gophers ran them off the floor. I mean, the town is there. The coaching is there. And I don't know what the missing piece is BG, but something is missing right now in Minnesota. Where, where they can't seem to put it together for multiple days and multiple games in a row. But this is a team that has all the talent. They have the capabilities of doing it. They've showed it. They, they, they beat one of, it, and it could even be our national champion this year. I'm not ruling Michigan out as a national champion. They're the best defensive team in the entire country, and we scored 75 points on them and blew them out of the gym. And I don't think that understates how good this Gopher team can be, but, but you've seen what the floor can be last couple of weeks and the Gophers' schedule remains easy for for the rest of the season like we mentioned they got two ranked opponents only but it still is a tough big 10 schedule and they're gonna have to finish strong and hopefully position themselves uh okay for that big 10 tournament and then hopefully to make a run uh to that second weekend of march madness that's kind of the weekend we've all been circling on our calendars can the gophers get to that second weekend and that's what we're hoping for right now and maybe it's even beyond that because the talent is there they put it all together There's a long way to go, BG. Um, Randy, let's talk Iowa Hoops for just a second here. Uh, Coming off a loss to Illinois, number 12th ranked Illinois now in the most recent poll. You guys lost on Friday night, 80-75. to You got Michigan tonight, Ohio State on Thursday, number 7 Ohio State on Thursday. How is the Iowa Hoops basketball team right now? Well...
5: So we, we, lose, we lose a game to Illinois that – and I'm not one to throw games on refs, but the refs absolutely screwed us over a couple times. First off, we get in the bonus uh, like five minutes into the second half against Illinois. Um, and then uh, from the, for the last 11 minutes, Illinois was not called for a foul. For 11 minutes of basketball – It is impossible for a team not to foul, not to have one foul. Um, Like that, that still makes me just absolutely pissed off how um, how that can happen. And then even besides that, you have um, towards the end of the game, Iowa um, Iowa's down four with like a minute and a half left. Uh, We score a um, Joey's camp gets a shot blocked, gets the rebound, puts it in. The, the put back in for two late whistle called for a goaltending on the original uh, shot attempt, which it was not a goaltending. So then uh, it was a, I forget how it worked. If it was a jump ball, if I, I forget how it worked, but the, the ref screwed us over a couple of times, um, a couple times of that game. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's the most frustrating part is that you, um, you know, you do everything you can, you, get Illinois in foul trouble um, early in the second half. um, And then the rest just decide not to blow the whistle. Um, And in the second half, uh, Illinois shoots twenty free throws and Iowa shoots four. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of malarkey.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, Randy, Uh, that you guys are losing by malarkey, but it kind of makes me happy at at the same time. Um, Are are you guys healthy? How's Garza doing? Garzilla. As we like to call him.
5: Uh, I mean, he's he's still playing at player of the year uh, player of the year level. Um, the uh, the biggest piece we're missing right now is uh, is CJ Frederick, um, who's leading the Big Ten in three point shooting at over fifty percent, and he's someone who shoots uh, a couple threes a game, um, and he's missed the past two games is now due to injury. Um, we're hoping to have him back against Michigan, um, especially too because I mean we play. Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State—you know, back to back to back in a schedule. And I think if you look farther down the schedule, we have some tough games too. Um, so this really is a gauntlet in the Iowa schedule. Um, and uh, I mean, I think focus number one is just getting uh, getting C.J. Frederick be- Frederick back, and then getting some uh, uh, some some non-B.S. refs to be calling, uh, mm-hmm. calling the games from here yeah. On out.
3: Yeah, I'm sure you'd like that. How is uh, Joe Toussaint? How's he kind of progressing? I the last time I saw him play I, was against the Gophers, and he kind of tore us up.
5: Yeah, I it's he he's one where you can I I I can't point to a stat or point to like something particular about his game just based off of the, kind of like the smell test. Like he is close to being a Big Ten starting guard. He's just. Um, He's just not there yet, um, and um, and and that's the reason why Jordan is still starting over, um, over over Toussaint. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, give it a couple games, you know, getting Toussaint some more reps. If you um, if we see Joe Toussaint uh, move into the um, starting two role, um, and even Keegan, a guy like Keegan Murray, a freshman who's progressed a ton this year. Um, he was a beast in that in that uh, Illinois game. I mean, we held we held a, a Kofi Cockburn to two points and four rebounds in, in the first half, um, and that was a combination of Garza, Jack Nunge, and, uh, and 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 Keegan Murray um, that were that were putting the hurt on him. So. Um, yeah, I, uh, and I think a lot of Iowa fans want to see more um, and, and would like to see more Joe Toussaint, but, but I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, he's, he's close, but he's just not quite there yet to be a starting big 10 guard.
3: Yeah. I, I think you hit that right in the head there. Cause, cause when I saw him and, and when I've seen him play, he seems close and there's some times when he really flourishes and, and kind of opens up that offense for him. But there's some times when he just falls apart completely too. And I, I think you're exactly right about that. He's close, but not quite there to, to a, a big 10 starting point guard or, or starting guard rather. Um, Zachary, he's joining us now. And, and let's move on from NCAA hoops. And Zach, can you share your idea for March Madness? And maybe you don't have it fleshed out enough, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because we haven't talked at all. Uh, but I think this is a great idea. We haven't yet confirmed if we're doing it, but I think we are. So can you kind of explain your, your March madness, uh, style
1: idea for, for blogs the next couple of weeks? I would love to. Yeah. Uh, good to talk to you guys. Sorry, we're hopping a little late here. Um, can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Perfect. Okay. Um, I'm super pumped about this idea and I'm, I'm, got all my eggs in my basket here. I, I'm going to, I would love to go through with this. So I was watching some Tony Hawk, listening to some Tony Hawk podcasts. I don't know why with Steve-O and those guys are good friends. And I just kept listening to them and just thought about how much he revolutionized the the sport of skateboarding, pretty much put it on the map. And there's for, go further into detail about that. And I got to thinking about tiger, Michael Phelps, how they kind of did the same with, with golf and, and swimming respectively there. And I was thinking like, what if like who who transformed their sport the most? You know, and there's so many out there names you can think of, and you could focus on modern day. You could go back even to Babe Ruth time, like revolutionizing the sport of baseball. Or you think Jackie Robinson too, for a lot of sports that actually um, opened the opened the path for a lot of uh, people of color who who didn't have a chance before. But long story short, I think it'd be really fun this time of year for brackets. I know Brady G. You know my love for brackets. It's unmatched. I, I just love brackets. I don't know what it is, but um, we could do 16, 16 people or we can, you know, make this a thing, go 32. 64 is a little much. Uh, but 16 or 32, we each take 48 guys that we really, guys or girls, that we really think have revolutionized their their sport. And uh, either we do a segment on each, like, since we do twice a week podcasts, we do one one person every, every podcast. I guess, and if we do sixteen, that'll take us right up pretty much to March Madness. I've calculated, so we could we could focus on the sixteen path there. Um, we could talk about it like you know, Rambling Rick. We could do that instead of Rambling Rick. We just detail one athlete at a time yeah. per podcast, or we go on our website um, and we we do articles about each person. Um, you know, once or twice a week, we'll we'll do an article on a different person, and then we'll we'll us four we'll figure out the seatings, and then we'll open it up to our audience and we'll do a vote each week of march madness to see who you think revolutionized their specific sport the most and there we're, we're going to detail the articles on our are, are their credentials and pretty much why they're worthy of being in in the list that we're thinking of so yeah. and i know a lot of you guys probably have your own thoughts about tiger and all those guys so it's it'll be interesting to see i think that'll be a cool idea
3: yeah i think that's a great idea and and just on the production side of things i think we should both write a bro- a blog post for every If we choose to do 16, which I think probably would be better to do 16 just so we could do a little more in-depth job on each athlete and present a case for why that athlete should be going uh, ahead of another one or whatever. But I think we'll do both in terms of writing a blog post and talking about it. So maybe blog post first and then kind of recap in uh, your blog post or whoever's blog post about that athlete and then why they should be uh, chosen going up against another athlete. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea, Zach. Definitely, definitely. Ha- ha- I love brackets. We're a pro bracket podcast. Anytime we can get a bracket involved, we're going to do that. Uh, love I, it. I, I love it. I absolutely love the idea, and I think we're we're, we're full full steam ahead on that. Um, awesome. When awesome. do we have to start uh, in terms of numbers wise and in, in the weeks leading up to March Madness? Is it next sure. Monday? We'd start if we're doing. Yeah, 16? the thing I was thinking, is March Madness. It's March 16th. You said. I do. Let me double check that. But I th- that sounds right. Yeah.
1: We might have to start this Thursday or okay. this, this upcoming Friday, then, for our podcast. I think that's maybe we can release our first. I'm trying to think how it, Yeah, we just do one at a time and we'll be good by that next Monday or that Thursday when it starts. I don't know whenever March Madness starts. We could do a special one that Tuesday. I think it is starts when March,
3: the 19th because, yeah, they're doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday this year instead of. Um, Thir-
1: oh, Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday. Friday. At least
3: I think that's this year. Andy, can you confirm that? Do you know?
2: Here's Thomas.
3: One second. No, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Marchmadness.com. <laughs> yeah, I, I just did yeah. confirm before I closed out of the page. It is it is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday this year. Oh, Instead Saturday of Thursday through Sunday, which can be a whole podcast in itself because that's a very controversial decision. But, yeah, it starts on the 19th
1: of March. That's perfect. Yeah, we start this Thursday. We detail one athlete. Um, I don't know if you guys want to go. We can speak off podcast about this. We want to each get four four guys or gals, um, or I can take the take the run at this one. If you guys got other stuff to go no, let's, do, I know. Let's
3: do four each, but you can't have okay. like your all of our four will be in different sides of the bracket. So like you shouldn't be playing against yourself. Like you should be going up against one of BG's, uh, uh yes. Andy's or my athletes, and then we have to make kind. It's almost a debate, you know. We'll have to I'll make a that. case yeah. why my athlete is better than your athlete
1: and why they should be That's voted. That's perfect. On. Yeah, we could do we could do a draft even to next podcast and we all draft our guys like right before Thursday. Uh, yeah, we could. We definitely could, we yeah. can do an off-camera draft. I don't. Know. Yeah, Either we'll one. we'll
3: figure it out maybe off uh, off podcast here. We'll get all the for names sure. and sure. We don't release a, to waste time. a list of of all the names of the athletes. Um, and that might be controversial in itself. Who we choose for the sixteen most influential athletes in their sport. But yeah, Zach, I think it's a great, great idea and a great
1: segment for the next couple of weeks. Cool. I appreciate that, Manny. I'm glad I'm glad you're on board with it. I just, one of those ideas you just got to run with, I, I was just thinking about it. And I know we've all talked about, everyone has talked about, you know, Tiger and how much he's meant for golf. And and Beal, I know if you want to detail Tiger, you and your uh, golf knowledge too, like I said, we can talk off camera about it, but I think it's something we can all really get really get in on it. I think hopefully, hopefully the fans can get on it too and have a say in it. um, If they're uh, if they so choose. Absolutely.
3: I love it. All right, let's get to what we're going to do. The best thing I saw all week on Friday's episode New segment we started a couple weeks ago. We're going to continue that. It's going to be usually on Mondays. This week we're going to push it to next week just because we already have kind of a long episode. And we have one last thing today. This is from a, a week ago. Josh Stevenson, you heard about him in our first edition of The Best Thing I Saw All Week. He's calling in in just a second here to give us an update on how he's how it's going with his drive to raise coats and jackets and money for the homeless people in Minneapolis. Uh, So we're going to do, fellas, the best thing I saw all week on Friday morning's episode. Let's hear from Josh right now. Here he is. And we now welcome back on Josh Stevenson. You heard him a week ago on this podcast talking about raising money and jackets and whatever he could for homeless people in Minneapolis. And Josh, it's kind of taken off in the last week. And you're telling me about all these new ideas here before we just started recording. And just kind of update people. How's it been so far? I know you bought a bunch of jackets, but can you give us some numbers? How many jackets have you gotten? And how, how's it going?
6: Um, It's going pretty well. So with the money that people have donated, and thank you to those people as well, Um, I was able to go to the thrift stores and I was able to get uh, about 50 jackets or a little bit over. I kind of don't remember to count. But um, I definitely, so that was a lot. and when it comes to donating jackets, I got, I don't even know how many. So I just know I got, uh, I got like 10 bags full of like mm-hmm. jackets, hoodies, socks, you name it. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's going well. I've been able to get, you know, seeing people out there, I've been able to get them jackets. And, you know, if, if there is, if there are around, you know, some type of food, we'll, we'll, you know, run over, grab them a meal. If we can, you know, um, only problem is, you know, with it is you might go driving around a few hours and you might not see anyone, and at the same time you don't want to mistake anyone for being homeless. So when it comes to that, that's probably the only problem that we've had. But other than that, you know, if we see them on the side, there pull over. <laughs> I've I've stopped almost like I've stopped on some busy roads. So, <laughs> but um, but yeah, um. But yeah, really, though, we've just been sitting down thinking of more of a more efficient, you know, kind of quality way to do this. And we came up with the idea of, um, so we're going to get a bunch of backpacks, fill them up with hygiene, uh, hygienics for women, like specific things for women, and then hygiene specificated for men as well. And, um, so deodorant, tampons, Too Faced, mouthwash, um. underwear that's just stop I, uh so I went some uh What are those uh heating pads like uh hand warmers you know foot warmers those things and also with that um based on so based on the bags we're gonna so with women men you know we're gonna have like a so on each bag we're gonna add a um a jacket or you know tie a jacket to it yeah. so they get that as well so, you know, based on the size of the person or whatever, we'll have a, a bag ready already for that person just because we realize, I realized, like my partner said, you know, stopping on busy roads like that, you know, we kind of cause a little commotion. So it'd just be easier just to pull up, throw in your hazards quick, you know, kind of based off of what you see of the person. And then um, go from there with the size of the jacket, hand it to them, hey. Right, I'm saying it's some oversized jackets to people, you know, it's
3: yeah. <laughs> honestly,
6: who cares, you know, it's right. It's I want you to be warm. Like they're not out there for style, you know what I mean? So right. we're right. trying to avoid like leather certain materials like uh fleece and like really thin materials, windbreaker, all that. Trying to get a lot of like thermal fur and kind of thicker jackets and you know. But yep. it's going pretty well. Um, turns out I've spoken to some people and Um, hopefully I'm trying to get this going, but, um, a friend, excuse me, my sponsor of mine, synergy supplements, uh, ran by Seneca. Uh, he, uh, the founder name is Seneca. He has some friends that own some subways. So I'm going to, you know, continue to talk to him about that. And hopefully I can get, you know, a bunch of sandwiches, you know, hot sandwiches, cold, whatever. Uh, I don't know how many, you know, or how that's gonna work, but I'm gonna make it happen. Yeah. So one of these days we're gonna be out there with a bunch of subway sandwiches, handed them out. Um and I'll definitely let you know about that as well. So but yeah, yeah, in all honesty it's going pretty well, man. And but my again, my biggest hope is and you know, you don't like I say, you don't have to donate anything to me. You could do it yourself. You could take the mm-hmm. time out of your weekend or one of your one of your days that is open. And go out, take—I don't care. Take an hour, take thirty. Just, just really spend a heartfelt time. You know what I mean? Don't just be out yeah. there just to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing it." No, really, be out there like I want this person to be warm. Uh, I've seen—I've seen people out there with thick jackets, even, and I'm still handing out jackets. You know, like I don't—you know—I don't care. Like I'm—I'm I'm doing what I said I was gonna do. So, yeah, but yeah uh, a lot of a lot of big plans have. Uh, are kind of um, unfolding out of this, but I just want to keep it simple for right now. So I don't kind of get ahead of myself and then Mm -hmm. get lost. You know?
3: Yeah. No, I I totally hear you, Josh. And we're huge fans of what you're doing. And it's, it's even evolving. Like you just mentioned since we last talked, I mean, now, now you're getting into hygiene bags and and you're handing out backpacks with basically all, all the essentials that you need to take care of yourself and to take care of your body. And, And it's phenomenal what you're doing. We mentioned it last week that at a time like this, when there's probably more homeless people in Minneapolis than we've seen in a long time, if not ever more than, than ever before. So I think acts like, yeah, acts like this or, and people like you are exactly what, what we need. And Josh, I wouldn't uh, underestimate how much your message impacts people. I mean, not to, not to toot my own horn, but you know, just, driving home every day here in California, where I'm at, there's a homeless person almost every day on the side of the street and just rolling down the window and giving them a few bucks goes goes a long way. And I've done that the last few days and something that I necessarily hadn't done before. And I think that's credit to you, Josh, and a credit to the message that you're putting out. And I think people are hearing it and people are listening to you and following your lead. So keep that up. And we're going to keep coming back to you for updates and seeing how it's going and seeing where this is evolving too because it's evolving every day and i know you're taking it further and further and further and i know that's just who you are and what you're gonna do you're calling it ordinary souls foundation at least that's the idea i don't know if it's a foundation yet but that's that's the goal at least one day josh the goal, yeah. and yeah you know it man yeah Anything else uh, on the uh, ordinary soul? We'll call it the Ordinary Souls Foundation. Let's 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 go with that. Anything else on the Ordinary yep. Souls Foundation right now that our listeners should know about?
6: Um, uh, uh, not yet, not yet. I'm, okay. Um, before I say anything, I want to make sure you know I got things lined up properly, mm-hmm. got it planned out, blueprinted well, so I know what I'm speaking about, and I yeah. know. I'll be able to handle it, but yeah. I definitely have some ideas lined up outside of the winter as well. Good. So, yeah, just, just stay tuned with me. So we'll I appreciate it. you. Uh, yes, we will allowing me to come on yourself,
3: man. Yeah, we'll keep updating you forever. I mean, as long as as long as this podcast goes, yeah. and as long <laughs> as you're as you're doing good things, we're we're gonna stick with you, Josh. And can people still donate if they want a Venmo or donate jackets? Are you still taking yeah. those in? Yeah.
6: Um, yeah, I am honestly. Uh, yeah, if people are still uh, donating jackets and everything, and uh, money. If you want to, truthfully, at this point, I think I might pause the money because mm-hmm. um, I do have a lot of donated jackets as well. So I think I want to get a bunch of these off mm-hmm. before I, you know, have people send me money yep. again because I, I just don't want to be sitting on people's money like that. And you know, I know people want to know where their money's going and it's going it's going into the coast but right. i just i think we should hold off on the money I, I bought a bunch from the last donation i still got probably a good 10 or 20 of those that i bought but then i like i said i still have a, a bunch of donated as well i got i got my mom's friends giving me stuff i got friends some friends you know <laughs> i got random mm-hmm. people that i don't even i don't even know so <laughs> yeah. i don't even know how they even Gotta, you know, even heard of it, so yeah. But that's what's great about it, you know. Amen.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had people DMing me asking where to send the Venmos to, and I'm sure you did as well. And if people want to send money right now, send it to Mary Joe's place. I know you mentioned before we started recording here that that's yeah. where you're going to donate some of the jackets. If you can't find uh, specific people to give it to, you're going to donate them there. So if people want to send money, send it to Mary Joe's place in Minneapolis. It's a homeless shelter. It takes care of a ton of people there. Absolutely phenomenal uh, facility. I've been there a couple of times myself, just volunteering right outside of Target Field. Uh, an absolutely yep. great place for people uh, in need in Minneapolis, and a great place to send your money or coats or extra clothes, whatever you have. Mary Joe's place in Minneapolis, great place to send it to. Josh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll keep checking back in with you. Keep, you keep up the good works and, and keep keep what you're doing with the good uh, with the Ordinary Souls Foundation, I should say.
6: For sure. I appreciate
0: it, too, buddy. And that'll do it for today. We'll be back on Friday morning, breaking down the Super Bowl, all the prop bets, all the wagers, everything you need to know about the Super Bowl on Sunday. All of that and more on Friday's episode. See you then.
2: What day is it? And in what mind, this clock never seems so alive. I can't keep up and I can't back down I've been losing so much time Cause it's you and me And all the people with nothing to do Nothing to lose And it's you and me And all the people And I don't know why my eyes off of you What are the things that I want to say just aren't coming out right I'm tripping on words you got my head spinning I don't know where to go from here Since you and me I love the people with nothing to do Nothing to prove and it's you and me And I love the people and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you Something about you now I can't quite figure out Everything she does is beautiful Everything she does is right Cause it's you and me And all of the people with nothing to do Nothing to lose And it's you and me And all of the people And I don't know why Keep my eyes off of you and me and I love the people with nothing to do, nothing to prove, and it's you and me, and I love the people and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you What day is it? And in what my heart, this clock never seemed so alive.